right, Luke chapter 5 this morning. I'd like to read verses 1 through 11. And then the subject for today, uh, Fishers of Men, could, it, could, call it, could have entitled it Catchers of Men, because that's what Jesus said in Luke 5. Of course, there's a parallel passage in Mark, or Matthew 4 where Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so just like, well, anyway, let's just read, read scripture. We'll talk about that more later. <laughs> when we're, let's, uh, chapter 5 of Luke, beginning verse 1. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two, sh- two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered, answering said to him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had thus done, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. <clears throat> when Simon Peter saw, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the drought or draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so also was also James and John, the, part, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the word of God and for what we are going to uh, look at this morning. And we're thankful for this episode in the life of the Lord Jesus and of his disciples early in their calling. And we just pray again for the help of the Holy Spirit in bringing forth the message today. And, and just bless, we pray. And use the word of God to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So many things about the word of God. It's such a, a treasure. Um, and one of, the, one, of the neat, one of the great things, one of the precious things, is that in the Bible there are several types of illustrations that are used uh, relating to the Christian life and ministry um, using all kinds of real-life activities to depict some aspect of life and ministry. So in here, we're going to see how the Lord Jesus Christ uses the, the business of fishing as a great illustration. Um, sometimes in the epistles especially, of course, Jesus used other things too, like, you know, uh, farming and, and so on. He taught, and Paul wrote about athletics and about warfare and different kinds of things that, that and building architecture uh, as a picture of the Christian life to emphasize some aspect of the Christian life and ministry. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Jesus uh, and fishers of men. And this was a wonderful setting, wonderful opportunity uh, for the Lord to do that. And so a lot of things enter in. Um, this is, you know, obviously, this is early in the ministry of Christ, and, in the, and these disciples were being called. And, 
and we won't take the time, but you can go back if you'd like later in the, the account in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4 where it talks about Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon, Peter, and Andrew and then he saw James and John and he called them to be his disciples. Now because of the way Matthew plays out and the way Luke plays out, that this in Luke 5 was, was probably not the first time that he had dealt with these men because the, um, and, and the, uh, probably in Matthew 4 it was one of the first times that Jesus encountered these four men and he first called them to be his disciples. But anyway, um, so let's go through this. Um, and some of us here today, and including myself, and I like to fish and um, once in a while. And um, that somebody always says they call it fishing and not catching because you're not always successful. But once in a while, I'll take I'll go fishing and and usually bring home bring home enough at least for us for a meal because my wife and I both really like fresh caught fish. Um, I was out on the ice a week or so ago with my brother and we caught a few fish. We had enough for dinner um, and there's nothing like fish through the ice. That's, that's, another, that's another subject. But anyway, um, but Jesus talked to his disciples and he really, he caught them at, an, at a perfect time. All right. So let's talk about it. Uh, first of all, in chapter, Luke chapter 5, the preaching of Jesus. Preaching of Jesus. Um, notice it says the people, it came to pass... That as the people pressed upon him, that is, they crowded around him to hear the word of God. And that was, of course, something that happened a lot. As Jesus continued his earthly ministry, the crowds gathered, they got larger, and they, they wanted to hear the word of God. Notice it says that's what they came for this time. Um, they came, they pressed on him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. The Lake of Gennesaret is another name for the Sea of Galilee. It's also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And so there's different names. And this particular location, notice that he stood by. In other words, he, he was on the shoreline, near the shore, of the Lake of Gennesaret. Um, Gennesaret was both a town and a section of Galilee. And so because they would launch from there and do different things there, it was they referred to it as the Lake of Gennesaret because that's what it bordered right there. And there's other places. Of course, Tiberius was named after Caesar. And so they would, uh, this, was, this was a very common place. And uh, obviously, as you know, for even just from reading the Bible, um, you know that the Sea of Galilee was famous for fishing. And Simon Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John were partners in fishing. So they just didn't go fishing once in a while to catch dinner or lunch. That was their life. It was their business. They went there. And of course, uh, Zebedee, uh, James and John's father, was also involved in the fishing industry. Um, that's how they made their living. And may I say now, because it's going to come up later, um, they were expert fishermen. But later in the chapter, you know, we're going to find out that they had fished all night and caught nothing. And that, that really, that, that's a huge part of what's going on in this chapter. And so, he saw two ships, verse 2, standing by the lake, that is, fishing vessels. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And that's the same thing it says in Matthew 4. 
mending their nets, washing their nets, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and uh, prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And so uh, the Lord Jesus, obviously because of the crowd and the pressing and pressing and pressing, he got into one of the ships, the fishing boats that belonged to Simon Peter, and he said that he had him go out a little ways from shore. And so he sat in the boat, the ship, and the people gathered on the shore, and he taught them, taught the people um, out of the ship. Just imagine, God, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful setting that was. I've never been there, but I've seen pictures. Um, a couple years ago, whatever, a few years ago, Pastor Kermard was over there, and he's, they, they put together some videos and things of the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful scenery. And that must have been one of those beautiful days on the shore of Galilee. And so, um, so the, the, the whole environment there, Jesus teaching the people. So the preaching of Jesus, always a priority of the Lord and ought to be our priority as well. All right. Again, I remind us that we are living in a day when preaching is being downplayed in every entertainment, everything else, and we, we, we must never do that. There's no substitute for the preaching of the Word of God. All right, verse 4 through 7, the plentiful catch. All right. Now, when he had left speaking, now Jesus had left speaking, or he finished his message or his teaching, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought or, or draw or draft, however you want to say that. Um, so he says to Peter, Simon, later on it is included, it, it is mentioned that it is Simon Peter. So he gives a simple command or instruction, request to Peter. They're out just a little ways from shore, and the Lord says to, to Peter, go out into the deep. Now the deep of the Sea of Galilee was as up to 160 feet. You ever see pictures of those fishing nets in those days? They weren't, they weren't for that. And so, Peter, let down your nets. Notice that the word in verse 4, nets, with an S on it, plural. Okay. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, which means teacher, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now do you see what's happening here? In Peter's mind, Jesus is a Bible teacher, but he's no fisherman. What he told Peter to do here was absolutely wrong for that time of day. Why do they, why do they fish at night? Because the fish come in closer to shore. And their nets are small. I mean, they're big. I mean, they're, they hold a lot of fish, but they're not for the deep. They're for the shallows. These particular nets. And so, and I use this term reverently, it's like Simon Peter is humoring the Lord. Lord, or he didn't say Lord yet. Master, we've, told, we've fished all night. 
We haven't had, we haven't gotten a thing. Nevertheless, thy word, in other words, because you say so, I'll let down the net. And you know the story. Everybody knows the story, right? Out in the deep. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And their net break. And the grammar there is the net. Their net began to split. Began to break. It was too many fish. See, why did Jesus say nets? Because <laughs> he knew what they were going to get. All right. And the net break. So the great enclosure, the amazing enclosure of fish. And they says they, Simon and them with him, uh, probably Andrew, at, at least, maybe others, and in under, they, they beckon unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. And they, so the, this huge amount of fish was so heavy that it both, both ships started to sink, settled, set down under the weight of the fish. There's a lot of instances in the Bible all over the place where people question the word of God. And this obviously, as you know, is not the first time that Peter spoke up and ended up, kind of as we would say, putting his foot in his mouth. But there, there seems to be, there's always been, it seems like, at least in this day and age, well, you're just a preacher, what do you know? You know, that pe- that, that's kind of like what you hear today. Um, and everybody, you know, there's all kinds of experts out there. There's medical experts and there's scientists and there's all these people that know everything. And when we just, you know, we, we simply tell them the Bible, oh, you're just a preacher. You don't, you don't know anything about the real world or real life. Well, the Word of God knows about everything. I'll take the Bible over any and any philosophy of men, anything that, that's out there, you know, because God wrote the word of God. I mean, God inspired the, the word of God into the hearts and minds of the writers. You know, God's the creator, sustainer, and ruler of the universe. God has everything in his power. And so we ought never to question the word of God. And when, just like this, when, and, and the Lord gave Peter the simple command. Out in the deep, let down your nets. All right? And so when he finally obeyed, partially, all the fish came. All right, now, the third thing, the last thing this morning, is the, um, the promise to Peter. The promise to Simon Peter. Notice what it says in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, what did he see? Obviously, he saw all these fish. They had never caught that many ever. Ever, ever, ever. Their most successful night of fishing wouldn't have even come close to what they now had. We know that because of what the verses say. But anyway, first of all, notice this. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. In other words, he bowed before the knees of the Lord Jesus, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Oh Lord. So we know that this wasn't the first time that Peter had, had, had met Jesus. He, he called him Lord here. But notice he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Oh Lord. 
the sight of Jesus' holiness, greatness, and power made Peter feel strongly his own littleness, sinfulness, and unworthiness. Compounded by the fact that he had argued with the Lord. I just want to mention in in comparison Adam's reaction when he heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, the Bible says. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Why? Because they they knew they'd sinned and they wanted to hide. Peter, aware of, of his ignorance and, and his, you know, arrogance, um, just fell down at Jesus' feet. Depart from me. Isaiah the prophet, in Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says he saw the Lord high and lofted up, sitting on a throne, and his train filled the temple and so on. Remember that passage, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah's response was, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 6, the first few verses, well, the first five verses, all that takes place. By the way, in John's Gospel, chapter 12, wonderful account there, John writes that that was Christ that Isaiah saw on the throne. That when he saw Jehovah, it was Jesus on the throne. Now just hang on to those three things. Hang on to Peter's response and Adam's response and Isaiah's response. And then we're going to look down in the text here and see what Jesus' response was to Peter. To Peter's confession and fear. And he's ready for the Lord to go. Just, 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 Lord, I just depart. I'm, I'm just not worthy to be in your presence. I'm certainly not worthy to serve you. I'm a sinful man. Oh Lord. By the way, huh, I'll take a, hundred, a dozen of those. I'd love to come up with the, and meet people and have people come to me and say, I'm a sinner. Oh my. Because we know how to deal with them. Take the scriptures and show them that yes, you are a sinner. It's the ones that won't re- admit they're sinners. They're the tough ones, but they're not too tough for God. So listen to what it says here in verse 9. The Bible says, for he, that's Peter, he was astonished. And John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners uh, with Simon, I'm sorry, for he was astonished at all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. It's interesting that the word astonished there means to be seized with amazement. I mean, they were just, they, they were just, they're, they're, their minds were blown, blown away. They were, their just minds were overwhelmed, boggled by what they had just experienced. And so was also James and John, the, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. So they were just, they were just flabbergasted. They were just overwhelmed, astonished beyond measure of, of what God, what the Lord Jesus had just done. And Jesus said unto Simon, look at verse 10, there was the last part, the last statement, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Now, 
that really that really struck me this week preparing this message that I don't know how many times I've read this chapter read that verse but it really reminded me something about my Lord that we you know there's kind of seems like there's always extremes there's the one extreme where you know wickedness wickedness sin 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 that's true the Bible says we're sinners and sinners and there's that and on the other hand there's people that don't want to talk about sin and everything's good and everything's great you know and we the judgment of God and yes the judgment of God judgment of God is coming but you know what there's a reason why the Apostle Paul refers to our time as a dispensation of the grace of God because Jesus is saying this to Peter because of how Peter responded acknowledging his sinfulness and Lord depart from me and I'm a sinful man you know what the Lord said to, the Lord said to Simon he said fear not now, I've never done it I want to do it one of these days I want to take my concordance and I want to record I want to go through and mark every time in the Bible where it says fear not I have heard and read that it is the it is the most often stated commandment in the scripture over 300 times the Lord says fear not now is there a lesson there for us our merciful and gracious savior he had every he had every right every re, every reason we could say to really to really come down on Peter here and rebuke him but he didn't he would later you know I believe that God had, these, are, these are new guys. These are men. Are all, this is all new to them. And we know that as we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They, they made so many mistakes and misunderstandings and misstatements. As Peter was at the top of the list, he was always doing that. But he wasn't the only one. But I, I thank him. Thank God that, that God has a special mercy for the new ones in the faith. He calls them baby Babies. And lambs. And we said later on to Peter, in the last chapter of, of John, when they're there by the fire, and, and the Lord says to, to Peter, Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. And the mercy and the grace of God. And we err, we err by overdoing grace and mercy. But I'm telling you something, folks, we also err by overdoing judgment and wrath. Now the judgment is coming. Fierce judgment is coming. And there's chastity for God's people. And I, I'm not eliminating any of those things, but I just was so really impressed and, and really moved by Christ's response to Peter. Fear not. From henceforth, in other words, from now on, thou shalt catch men. You're not going to be fishing for fish anymore. You're going to be fishing for men. Now, I want I mentioned, remember Adam, remember Isaiah. What did God do when Adam tried to hide? First of all, God confronted him, the Lord did, questioning him about what he had done, questioning Eve about what she had done. And then he gave that wonderful promise by way of, of rebuking the serpent that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. Of course, that's the first promise of Redeemer. And then what did the Lord do after that? He made coats of skins to clothe Adam and Eve. And physically, yes, but way more than that, 
spiritually. Clothe them. Shed the blood of an animal. Atone for their sins. Forgave them. Isaiah. What did God do when Isaiah cried out like he did? What did he do? Then flew a seraphim with a coal from off the, which he had taken with tongs off the altar. He laid this on my mouth. And the Lord, the Lord said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy sin is forgiven, thy iniquity is purged. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. And so, obviously, in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a difference when how he responds. And you can't, you can't avoid that. I mean, when, as you go through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, and as we go through the book of Luke, there are some of the most precious accounts of how the Lord Jesus responded to sinners who acknowledged their sin. One of my favorites, we'll get there maybe, <laughs> is in Luke 7 with the sinner woman. All right? Now, Jesus had a different reaction to the Pharisees and the scribes and the ones that professed to be godly and were hypocrites. So the Lord had not much time for hypocrites. He rebuked them sharply, but sinners, sinners. You know, they, 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 they accused him, right? They criticized the Lord Jesus because he ate with sinners. And what did Jesus say? They, they that are whole need not a physician. They that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Well, Verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And so from that day on, they became full-time disciples of Christ. Were they perfect? No. Did they make mistakes? Yes. Did they fall back? Yes. I mean, look, think of how Peter, the night that Jesus is crucified, three times denies him. And of course, I mentioned that passage in, the, in John chapter 21. Before Jesus said, feed my lambs, Jesus dealt with him three times about his denial. So that, that's all part of it. It's all a part of God's dealing. But you know what? Even when God chastens us, the Bible says in Hebrews, he does it because we're his children, though whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Right? And I've... Always, all my life, I'm still trying to learn, I'm still trying to grasp the love of God for a sinner like me, all right? And I'm getting there by the help of God and just by reading the scriptures, reading the scriptures, um, and yet it's, it, it still becomes it's so amazing. And if it's not amazing to you, then there's something wrong. We sing a hymn like, Amazing Love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? The love of God. Oh, my. The mercy and the grace of God. We're, we're, we're obviously lost. We'd be lost without it. Well, so, anyway, in closing, let me just say, first of all, praise God for our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has removed our sins as far as east is from the west. He knoweth our frame. He knoweth that we're dust. You see, God knows us in and out. And he still loves us. Right? God, the love of God is so, it's always mentioned in context of what we are, right? 
but for uh, God, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were good people, while we were sinners, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. All right? Thank God for that grace and mercy of God. And one of the things that the grace of God does is that it gives us the, the, the strength, whatever you want to call it, the ability to, to get up when we've fallen and go on for the Lord. All right. So praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God for our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must not water that down. It's got to start with the lordship, the sovereignty of God, the power of God, and then then to the sinfulness, the rebellion of mankind. And I've said it before, you can't, you can't, you really don't, really can't take the next step with somebody until they acknowledge that they're sinners. And then we present the marvelous love of God. And let us all pray as we think about these men, we think about Jesus Christ, his words to Peter, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Peter was one of those that was called of God to take the gospel, right? And God still calls people into his service. So let us all pray that God will send forth laborers into his harvest. And for those already on the field, so to speak, home and abroad, that they will faithfully proclaim the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, especially those that are in places of persecution. But you know what? May it be so here as well. May the gospel go forth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father and our God, we're thankful for this time that we can have in the Word of God, and we thank Thee so much for our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, for His great mercy here to Peter, To those in this room who are saved, you have shown thy great mercy and grace. Yes, even in, we understand, Father, we're thankful and praise the Lord that part of the love of God is to show us that we're sinners and that we need salvation, that we're lost and blind and dead apart from him. I want to thank thee today with 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 the congregation uh, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior, to shed his precious blood, realizing that not, not one sin is overlooked. Every sin has been paid for and dealt with. We praise thee for that. Help us, O Lord. Help the gospel. I think of people uh, that have been presented uh, things lately uh, concerning Christ. May the word of God, may the Holy Spirit bring conviction for their need of Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, our, our, let's take our hymn books. We'll sing a couple verses of hymn number 306, A Passion for Souls.